family. You, worry, you don't worry about your kids. Now, that's one thing that, that I did. You know, I was that man, that evil man that just didn't care about nobody. You know, I wasn't the father that I was supposed to be. And I remember crying out to the Lord one night. I was by myself. You know, of course, when you have things, people are all around. But when, when you're out, ain't nobody around you. So that one day, I thank God that he gave me that one day because I cried out to him. I, t- I asked him, Lord, you know, I've, I've never really prayed. The only time I prayed going home is when I was drinking, and I just wanted to make it home, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. This night I cried out to God, and I, I told him, I was like, Lord, please help me. Help me be the man that I'm supposed to be. I just want a normal life, a life that, you know, I can be the father to my kids that I'm supposed to, the husband, the man that I'm supposed to be. You know, three months later, I started coming to this house, to this church, and, you know, pastor's word, I mean, I, I give him, you know, thanks because, you know, he took me in as like, like if he knew me. He took me in with love and, and just showed me, you know what I'm saying, that there was more to life than living that way. And that one thing, that night, I felt hope. I was hopeless. I felt that hope that I've never felt before. And I give all that glory to God, all the glory to God. He's a mighty king, and no matter what you've been through, what you've done in life, he got you. You've got to give him your life. You've got to give him your heart. got a couple of verses. i got one out of, you know, Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. That is us. The day that we gave our life to God, he's calling us right there. He's telling us right there that there is hope for us. You know, God works for the good. You know, if we're hungry for God, he's going to keep moving in our lives. He's going to keep moving in our lives. I'm going to tell you there is hope. There is hope. Another verse that I've, you know, kept in heart, you know, I've kept it to my heart. It's Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. He says, you know, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path straight. You know, we should never depend on ourselves. We should never depend on, on what we feel. we got to leave it all to God. Everything, every, everything, we give it to him. And he'll make our path straight. No matter how you feel, he got you. i got another one, Proverbs 1. He says here in his word, it says, To know wisdom and instruction. To perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and direction. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and enigma, the words of the wise are their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Right here, he's telling us, you know, that, you know, he will, he will show us the way. He will show us what we need to do. But, you know, we got to listen to our elders. We got to listen to our leadership, to our pastor. That's one thing that he showed me, like, if I do something wrong, I want him to tell me. That way I can learn from that and grow. And that's something we cannot get mad at him or get mad at anybody else. That they, you know, they want to see us grow. That's one thing I have so much respect for Pastor because, you know, what he's done in our lives, what he's doing in this place. You know, not only for me, but for my brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ, you know, he shows us that love. The love that, you know, we, sh- we should have feel when we go to, you know, to another church. I went to a couple of other churches, and I didn't feel the love that I felt here. And it's just something that it just, it just drew me closer. I'll give God the glory for, for you know, setting us here, for, for having us in this place. i got a verse that... You know, in discipleship, you know, we quote this verse, and today I kind of went blank earlier. I had to ask Pastor, like, what is it? I was like, man, but anyways, here we go. 
It says, Timothy, 2 Timothy, it says here in this word, I'm going to read it from the top. It says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Number two is one that we quote. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So when God delivers us from our wicked ways, from our addictions, whatever it may be, you know, he wants to use us as vessels to reach out to the lost souls that other people can't reach out to. You know, that's our calling. For us to be, you know, for him to deliver us and for us to go out and, and you know, teach others also. That's something. I'm going to go out to three also. He says here, it says, you know, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know, we are an army and we need to step up, step out into faith and, you know, do the will of God. You know, God's brought us so far and, you know, he's still teaching us daily. And, and I thank God that my wife is here and my daughter, you know, and. You know, what God is doing in our lives is something that I, it's, it's unimaginable, something that I would never have thought in my life that, you know, that, you know, he would give me. I mean, I did, I did not deserve to be here. I, I don't even deserve to speak his word. But he uses people like me. <sighs> Jesus, you are worthy, Father. Man, thank you, Jesus. That's something that, oh, man, nobody can give you but him. He uses the broken. He uses the the angry man, he uses the, the foolish man. He uses anybody that he wants for his glory and to glorify him. And I give him all the glory for setting me here right now tonight to just tell you the good news, that there is hope. It don't matter what you've done in life. It does not matter what you did, what you have done. There's hope for you. There's hope for you, no matter what it is, no matter who's hurt you in life. You know, we got to learn to forgive. That's another thing, you know, in my walk. For, for years and years, and I was already coming, I had got saved. But one thing that I had that I want to speak about tonight also is guilt. I had so much guilt in me. I had, you know, so much. I was, I was you know, getting bitter because I wanted to be the man that God called me to be. But I could not let go of my past, of the way I was with my kids, with my wife. I was a bad man. For so long, I held that. I held that. I held that. And I asked God to help me. To deliver me from that, Lord, I want to do more for your kingdom. I know I'm here for a reason, Lord. Make me the man that I'm supposed to be. Let me, you know, forget those things. That's not of him. For us to, to feel guilty of what we've done. You know, and God's working and God's moving. And that's one thing I've been delivered from that, too. I, you know, he gave, me the, he gave me the opportunity to 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 let that go. To let that go. To be the man that I'm called to be. To be there for my family the way that I'm supposed to be. 2 Timothy 4.2, he says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all love, suffering, and teaching. We are called to be men and women of value. For God is a mighty God. He loves every single one of us. And we're not here by coincidence. We are here because he has called us to be here. You know, there, there's going to be times that you're going to feel like giving up. Don't do it. Press into God more. Press into God more. He will show you the way. He loves you. He loves every single one of us the same. But just keep pressing through. Do not give up. There's hope for you and your family. Thank you, Jesus. Got to go after Jesse. But anyways, it's all good. You know, um, they got a text. I got a message from Pastor.
through Facebook, and I kind of didn't understand. And I was like, I called Paul. What's Pastor? I'm sure he can hear. He can probably hear this. Ask Paul, like, I kind of didn't understand what, when are we going to do it, in the morning or the afternoon? He said, well, Jesse texted and asked him that. I said, well, I didn't get that text. I just got a message through Facebook. So, and, you know, Paul, he, Paul said, I think he just gave us permission to roast them. I'm like, oh, that's going to be easy then. <laughs> so, you know, there's a hundred ways to roast pastor, but I just going to do five since we got eight minutes. Amen. <laughs> the first one that he always says is, right will always come out right. And I say, really? When I first started hearing that, you know, he says it thousands of times as he's preaching. And when I first heard that, it's like, sometimes it's, it's not true. Because you try to do the right thing, and then you still get in trouble, amen? But then in Galatians 6, 9, it says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So pretty much on this, it's kind of describing our human condition as Christians. You know, we, we want to do it in the spirit, and we want to do the right thing, but sometimes the flesh just pulls us down, you know, because we are a human being, and, and we get mad, and, and, you know, and just simple thing that it's just a, a spiritual battle on your mind. You know, sometimes it's hard, you know, you just want to get to your own ways and take care of it, then come back to the Lord, amen, but... It don't work like that, and sometimes you got to stop and say, Holy Spirit, help me. I mean, it can be at work or whatever. I, mean, I got a, a co-worker. He's a good guy, you know, probably in his late 50s. But when you're driving dump trucks, I mean, you're already going slow enough, and when he's going 30 miles an hour, I'm like, oh. It just makes the day go so much longer, you know. And sometimes when I slap him back of his head, what's wrong with you? But, you know, I think, like, Lord, that wouldn't show Jesus too much, you know. So, I like, I can't do that, you know, Corinth. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant, amen. So we got we to gotta follow those good verses because we got to show Jesus, amen. And then James 4, 17 says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it's in sin. So, you know, we got to always remember, even... Even if it don't seem like it's right, we still got to do the right thing so Lord, Lord can be glorified. Amen. The second one is, Pastor, I always say it's a good one. I think he's done it a couple of times. He said, what is going to be the dash in your tombstone? What are people going to remind you? What are people going to say what, he, what you did? Amen. That's why in Peter, 1 Peter 2.12 says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So that when you, so when they speak against you, you as an as an evildoer, they may see the good deeds and glorify God for the day of visitation. Amen. Everybody's watching us. It seems like, you know, we we used to be so bad, you know, partying and doing all kinds of bad stuff in our crazy life in the past, and nobody really took. They didn't say nothing because they were crazy as us. But now they would say, you know, we love Jesus and all that. Everybody is trying to wait for us to see when we're going to mess up. You know, it can be our old friends. It can be our family members. Sometimes it can be even in our own, you know, brothers in Christ. They just, you know, watchando, see when you're going to slip. So you got, you know, you just got to watch and do the right thing. Like the first one say, 
and you'd be all right because, I mean, even Jesus told Peter and the disciples, the world's going to hate you because of him. Amen? So you just got to keep on going. You know, and, uh, and I'm going to go to James real quick. James 19, 1, 9, it says, uh, 119 says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every, mean, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of the man does not produce the right, righteousness of God. Amen? So that's, that's one thing we tell our kids uh, because, you know, as um, me as a Latino and a mother as a redheaded, we firecrackers. And uh, that's why we started our, our little Bible study at home because our whole family got that issue. Boy, they're quick. They're just like mom and dad. You know, they're quick to answer and everything, but you got to calm down and do the right thing. Amen. And um, number three was uh, our pastor always say he likes to learn from people's mistakes. And that's an awesome thing because if you pay attention, you can learn a lot of, lot of things from people's mistakes. Amen. And uh, before I go to number three, it's like Jesse was uh, real quick. Jesse was uh, talking about uh, uh, his testimony. It's an awesome thing that we got to glorify God with our testimony. Amen. That's part of the testimony. And I'm going to read real quick Revelations uh, 2, 10, 11. He says, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and kingdom of God and the power of his uh, power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accuses them before our God day and night. That's the devil. Amen. And he says, uh, has been cast down. And they are overcome. And they have overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Amen. And they will not live their lives to death. You know, the testimony proclaims the power of God. Remember that. So on um, um, Proverbs, uh, you know, learning from others' mistakes, um, 28, Proverbs 28, 13, 14 says, Whoever tries to hide his sins will not succeed, but the one who confesses his sin and leaves them behind will find mercy. Amen. we got to learn from our mistakes and take ownership and ask God for forgiveness. And, uh, you know, just, just learn from my mistakes. I put my, myself as an example. I lost my wallet last year. And I had to pay the rock pit, and, and I had I was carrying quite a bit of money, and I lost it. And I was having a hard time because of that money. But, you know, I was feeling so bad. I was like, man, I'm going to get a heart attack just thinking about all this money. And I, I started praying. I said, Lord, money ain't thing. You know, I just give me peace, and God gave me peace. You know, but, I, you know, I was carrying my wallet on the, used to carry my wallet on the left side. Well, that's what happened. I had it on my left side, and it dropped. So now I learn, and I put it on my right side because at least it will drop inside the car. Amen. So learn from that. And we can learn from, you know, so many stories like King David. He was just idling, got in trouble. His eyes were looking somewhere else. Amen. Learn from the young, rich ruler. God wanted his heart, not his money, but he, had, he was stripping and got it wrong. Amen. Number four, we got to go fast because we got eight minutes. And uh, he says... Another rose that Pastor Owen was talking about, which at first I thought, man, that's kind of gay. But as, but as, I, I, as I learned from him more and more, it was nothing but the truth. It was like, you always got to love your wife and do this and do that. You know, I was, I was okay, but I was not in that point. But um, for, 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 I mean, to really 
love your spouse, you really got to fall in love with Jesus first. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you can say love all your spouse or whatever, but this world show fake love. But when you really get into it and start loving Jesus, it's a whole lot much better. You know what I'm saying? In Matthew 22, 37, he says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. So we got to fall in love with God first. And then, you know, if you got a bad spouse or a spouse is stubborn, don't want to come in, you know, God will see that and, and he will give you what you desire in your heart. It would be a whole lot easier. Psalms 37, 4 say, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Amen. So it's a whole lot easier. Amen. Just, just work on it. But, you know, if you're a nagging wife to your husband, quit being nagging so much, just like Job's wife, you know. But at the same time, if, if, if you want to have a, a happy wife, you know, get off your Xbox, get off your PlayStation, wash some dishes, you know, vacuum. And believe me, it changes big time. You got to be smart, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you don't got to buy flowers to your wife every three weeks, or, but be smart. This is, this is a nugget for y'all guys or the single guys when y'all get married. You know, I, 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 I like to price everything. And sometimes I love going to Albertsons because sometimes they got flowers on sale and roses, you know. A woman always like roses. And you don't got to spend $85 for roses. You know, they got pretty roses. Sometimes they got them for 10 bucks a dozen. So, you know, be smart and, and um, love God. And, and, and God, I guess God will give you wisdom to do all that, you know. And, like, my wife asked me, do you still love me? Well, of course I do, you know, because... The more I love God, the closer we both get to God, and we're closer, amen? So I always remember that. And the last one, always pastors always, you know, telling us this, or, you know, there's a hundred things that pastor always preaches about, but the ones that stand out to me in my life was to finish the race. It don't matter how you start, you know. Uh, you finish the race, if you come by yourself or not, uh, I'm going to, like, Jesse, when he first came to church, he was coming by himself. Imagine his wife really has lost hope for him, too. But he found Jesus. About after a month or so, she started coming. And after a month of that, the whole family started coming on Sunday mornings. Amen. That's an awesome thing. I remember, you know, another thing was, uh, I'll call them out, Claudia and David. Claudia used to come with the kids all by herself. You know, and David would show himself sometimes, and I would, I would go after him. I'd say, oh, man, I thought she was a single mother. Are you the dad? <laughs> like, yeah. And but then he used to go hide again. Well, he, he started coming. And I remember in the old forward drive, Claudia would be preaching. Sorry about that, but no. that's a good example. She would start going to the altar, and David would, like, stand, like, 15 feet behind her. And then sometimes he would stand over here, and she would stand back there. But imagine God was still working, you know. And then finally, they would be together side by side. And I told them, hey, you know, if you hold hands, it's a whole lot more powerful, you know. Y'all united together in prayer and praying to God. And then the next service, they did it. You know, that's good. God's doing good things. And then this morning, it was kind of funny because, you know, I'm playing the drums. And they parked themselves right in front of me. David had all his arm around her. And she was like, Dad, they all prayed. I'm like, man, what a difference it makes, you know. God is working on their lives. 
God is still alive, amen. And it's not, it's not how they start it. It's how they, they go into that finish line. And 2 Timothy 4, 7 says, I have fought the good, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. They kept their faith. We're keeping our faith, amen. We've got to finish that fight. You know, so as long as we keep that faith, we, we, the, our fulfillment is going to be when our Lord, our master says like 25, Matthew 25, 21. His master said to him, well done, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over the little. I will set you in much. Enter into the joy of your master. Amen. David, don't worry. I won't say anything about you. You're, you're safe with me, brother, all right? Well, you know, I kind of had a pastor moment where he battles sometimes with the Holy Spirit, and I had one message, and then it kind of turned on me, and the Holy Spirit said no. And it's like, oh, gosh, you know, Lord, don't do that to me. Anyway, I started thinking about pastor's request and then thinking about our church. Our church is 10 years old, Right? We've been here nine. Parker and Ryan, when we came here, were 11 and 10. 11 and 10. They were little brats then. Now they're 20 and 19, and they're big brats. So it's, you know, nothing's changed, right? But, but it's, it's amazing. You know, we, we came here out of just a need. And, and we didn't know what God's plan was, but, but we had a situation in our life, and, and we just happened to find this church and in Isaiah 55 8 through 9 it says for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than our yeah our ways and my thoughts than your thoughts and you know God has a plan and because of his plan we came here, and, and God knew our hearts. You know, we, we grew up, Brenda and I got married in a spirit-filled church. And, and, you know, we had some issues at that church and then moved to a, uh, an assembly of God's church. They're spirit-filled. But, you know, we got used to having altar calls and, and praying over people and speaking in tongues. And then we wound up at a big church and, well, another big church because Covenant Church was really big. But we, we came to a church, and, you know, it was more of the Baptist church, and people really didn't raise their hands, and the pastor had a great message, but no altar calls. And we wanted a church, and God knew this, we needed a church with altar calls. And, you know, that's why we came here. We didn't know God's plan at the time, but when we got here, we, we figured it all out. And, you know, when we met Pastor Brenda did, from driving back and forth to the hospital. Her brother was in a coma in Costa Rica. She got him back here. It's just a big, long story. And, you know, he passed away. But Brenda talked to Pastor, and Pastor just said, you know, I don't want to take you away from your church, but it sounds like you need help. And Pastor and this church filled that void. So, Brenda, 
in, let's see, 2005, lost her dad. 2000 and, yeah, 2008, lost her mom. And then in 2009, her brother passed away. So, you know, we, we needed a church that would stand here with us and, and help us and walk with us. The church we were at, I was telling Laura, would, wouldn't even let us have the funeral service for mom because it interfered with their choir practice. Now, what kind of church family does that to one of their own? Pastor wouldn't do that. He did do that. So I've only got 10 minutes, right? Still? So, you know, you hear about the 12-step process, right? I can't count to 12, so I'm going to go through the three-step process. And it has to do with the reach, teach, and send. And at the time, I didn't know Pastor was, was going to move that on me and use it on me. And if you think about it, we all go through that three-step process. You know, our pastor's a shepherd. He loves us. You don't know how much he loves each and every one of you. You know, some in the same ways, in different ways. But your pastor loves you. And in Isaiah 40, 11, it says, Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm... He will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. And, and you know, pastors told Brenda and I, people don't care how much you know, right? Until they know how much you care. And I've always remembered that. That was a short one. Now on to teach. That took a while for me. <laughs> You know, never, never in my wildest dreams would I ever have thought pastor would ask me to stand up here and give a message. And I remember the first time he asked me, he was like, Jesus, why am I up here? Why did pastor ask me to do this? You know, it never gets easy. It never gets easy. And pastor said himself, it's, it's never easy. He still gets nervous. And, and, you know, I think most of it is, is not knowing what to say or how you are going to receive it. And pastor started teaching us. And I think Robert, Robert made the comment about God wants me to be the man that he wants me to be. And Brenda, the woman she needs to be. And our boys, you know, the young men that they need to be. And, and that's a process. And God took us, and God and with pastor, through pastor, took us through that process. And, you know, when I first came to church here, I came in blue jeans or shorts with a T-shirt and tennis shoes. And was just, you know, one of the hidden few. And, and it's easy just to sit back and not get involved. You know, it, it takes... A real man or a woman of God to, to make this, you know, a daily walk in your life. You know, coming to church three days a week if you can. And a lot of you can't because of work or something. But, but you know, it's a process. And then one day pastor asked me, you know, you told me you were in the IT business for years. Don't you have any suits? And it's like, yeah, I've got lots of suits. He goes, why don't you wear a suit? I don't like to wear suits. I had to do that for 25 years. I don't have to do that anymore. He goes, 
you know, why don't you just think about wearing a suit? I could really use you. Because then VWO here in Denton was pretty small. It's like, okay, God, I'll, I'll do this for you. You know, it's like, I have to tell myself that all the time. You know, Paul, will you sing and praise the worship? Okay, God, I'll do this for you. I really don't want to do this. I can't sing. And I'm not a good preacher. But I'll do it for you, God. Yeah, sometimes we have to do that. We have to force ourselves out of that, out of that comfort zone we're in. And we all do that, you know. Look, look at John and Donnie, and yeah, I keep telling Frank, one day, Frank, <laughs> one day. <laughs> hey, say, hey, there's a good intro right there. Yeah, Jacob, I see you smiling. <laughs> You're next, buddy. <laughs> I'll have you show Frank how it's really done, right? But, you know, Pastor just did that process. You know, we just... Little steps at a time, you know, and it's amazing. It works out. You know, Brenda's used here. Robin and his family are used here. Our boys got a chance to play in praise and worship. Ryan got to play guitar. Parker got to drum. In a church other than our church, (laughs) yeah, a fat chance of that ever happening. You know, in a lot of churches, a man can't be called out to preach unless he's got a doctorate in theology. You know what? This church preaches what the Bible says. Right? Who, who did Jesus get? Jesus didn't go to this, wherever, you know, to, you go to become a Jewish. Yeah, whatever. But, you know, he used regular people, regular guys. You know, they were fishermen and they stunk like fish, you know. And Luke was probably one of the most learned of all of them. You know, they were just regular dudes just wanting to serve God, and they saw something special in Jesus. We should all see something special in this man. Hope your head's not getting too big. You know, and and Robert said something about the race and, and perseverance, and pastors taught us that. You know, uh, pastors, what I wish I had was PBF. You know, Pastor Mario coined that at the conference, PBF, Pastor Blake Faith. Pastor has more faith than anybody I know. You know, Jesus made water come out of a rock. Pastor's got enough faith to see water come out of a rock. I don't have that. You know, pastors also told us that the New Testament is the Old Testament concealed. And that the Old Testament is the New Testament revealed. I mean, that's, that's always stayed with me. This morning, Pastor touched on fear. You know, false evidence appearing real. Satan wants to just use all he can to just lie to us. And, you know, he wants to get our focus off of Jesus and, and, and not, you know, just thinking about what Jesse said, our, our bad things in our life that we've done. And, and God doesn't want that. You know, when, G, or when Satan says fear, Satan means forget everything and run. Right? He wants you to just hightail it. When Jesus says fear, Jesus is saying face everything and rise. Right? And then we get to the sin part. 
you know, not all of us will be called to be sent out to be pastors. Our pastor knows that. But he is sending us all out in a way. We're all being called out to minister children's ministry, you know, like Sheila heads up, or praise and worship, or what some of us men do, me with ushers, you guys with ushers. You know, we're all sent out to do something. You know, we, we've got, uh, oh, what do we have? We've, we've got outreach. You know what? This is the first church I've been to that we've actually had outreach where we go out and talk to people and tell them that Jesus loves them. You know what? First church in my whole life that I've been to that's done that. So, you know, we can't get away from that three-step process. All of us are in different stages, and some of us haven't quite opened our heart up enough to, to do really what God's wanting us to do in our life. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So unfortunately, <laughs> here goes the picture of Pastor with the hair. Well, he had a lot of hair too. Just know he has a lot of hair. Um, unfortunately, like I was saying, I don't have anything to prophesy over anybody kind of like Paul just did with uh, Frank and, and Jacob. And I'm not going to call anybody out, so... And if I, if I do think of calling somebody out, maybe I'll call out Robert or somebody. But um, one thing that I've definitely gained, I've gained a lot of things from being in this church and in this fellowship. But if I could try to sum up everything, I would say sanctification of the heart. That's one of the biggest things. I feel like that's the theme in almost every single message that pastor preaches. Uh, when I got saved, um, I just remember... It was the altar call, and at that time, I could just hear God telling me, like, hey, you got to give me everything. You got to give me everything. So when they had the altar call, in my mind, I was like, okay, they're just asking who wants to get baptized because that's what they do at a lot of churches. So I was like, I was baptized as a kid. I don't need to go up to the front and get baptized. And then, all, and then I heard something about, do you know where you'd spend eternity? And I was like, oh, they're not talking about baptism. And then that's when I was like, okay, God, I have to give you everything. I have to give you everything. And he was like, God was telling me he would change my heart if I gave him everything. And I don't think it's a coincidence that God placed me in a church where they preach so much on sanctification of the heart and keeping your heart pure. I think a lot of times people come in and, and get saved here and they sometimes they can think it's a coincidence. I don't ever think it's a coincidence where God places you at the point where you get saved. So just reading out of uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So just going along those lines and being here in VWO in Denton and having a great pastor like Pastor Blake, when I got saved, I... I had an idea. I was like, you know what, I want to I wanna start a basketball program and help out young people and just be a mentor and help kids have a chance to get a scholarship and play college basketball for free. And most places, most pastors you talk to say, hey, that's, that's good. That's, that's great. I'll be praying for you. Keep it up. 
And this pastor was like, God's going to use you to speak into those kids' lives. Kids are going to get saved, this and that. And I was like, whoa. And so I said, thank you. And, but in my head, I'm like, how can I do that? I'm still trying to figure if I should read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because to me, they all look the same. So I didn't, I didn't know left from right. And he's saying, hey, you're going to speak into these kids' lives. Kids are going to get saved. And I was like, man, I got to learn how to clap in church first. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that goes along with that Pastor Blake faith that a lot of people were talking about. Because definitely, like a lot of people know, whenever I first came in here and I got saved, I used to try to come late on purpose. So I didn't have to do the clapping, definitely not lifting hands. And it wasn't like I thought it was bad. It was just weird. And then uh, even with the clapping, and then I try to tell myself, well, I'm not clapping because I'm trying to read the words. But the, the songs aren't that hard to memorize. So I realized that was just an excuse. <laughs> but I definitely can't say enough that in this place, I know me personally, like I was saying, everyone's here for a reason. I know that if I was at a church where I had a pastor who was like, hey, you got saved, you gave your life to Christ, that's great. Now just come along to the services. Like, I don't, me knowing myself, I don't think I would have made it. And um, I think it's so important that we have men's discipleship. And like Jesse was saying, how pastor just pulled him aside and just spoke to him. And he, he gave him hope. He gave him all kinds of things that we see that, the Apostle Paul and all the people who were used by God throughout the Bible were giving people hope. No matter what situations they were coming through, God was using people to give us hope, and that's definitely what Pastor has done. He's definitely given me hope, and not only just a pat on the back, I think each and every man, woman in this place can feel like Pastor's always going to try to get you a little past your comfort zone. Like, it's, it's easy to sit in the back and not really do much and you're kind of just going along your Christian walk and and in, it might not be that bad but when things happen when life happens if you haven't been pushed out of your comfort zone it's easy to fall in those situations so as the last verse I'm going to read I'm going to go to Matthew I believe Yes, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's one of the many things that pastors definitely taught me. And one of the things about pastor that God's definitely placed on his heart is he doesn't just teach you these things through the word like you see the example of it you see action behind it this isn't a place where we're just hearers of the word we try to be doers as well and he's always going to encourage you and one thing I remember even before I got saved before I even knew he was a pastor I remember one time we talked like in his truck just actually I think I did get I was already saved by then but we just talked in his truck about different things I was going through in my personal life. And we were probably there for like over an hour. And you know, you can talk to somebody about stuff and you're like, okay, I'm about to just cut it off after five minutes because people aren't really listening anymore. And I'm not the type to really open up to anybody. And we just talked and I knew this guy really cares. It's, it's amazing. And now you see 
all of us in this place, we're trying to do the same thing to people that we know, whether it's family members, friends, and I just can't thank him enough for his, for his leadership and just guiding us. And um, last week, I got uh, invited to be on a, like a sports podcast, and they asked me, they're like, man, um, how do you do it? You have kids in your program who came out of nowhere, and now they're being recruited by big-time schools. Some of them have legit potential to go to the NBA, and their lives changed and things like that. And youth basketball or whatever, it's crazy. Like, I've had kids in my program. There was a team in Arkansas who offered to pay him – no, offered to pay his flights to and from practice to Arkansas and offered to pay his mom's bills, which is illegal. But they offered to do all that. Uh, and, this, and this kid was in eighth grade when they did that. So you can only imagine how stuff gets when they get older. I've had kids in my program who – NBA players who have their own program offer to pay for – you name it for them and their families. And, and so the guy was like, how do you deal with all that stuff? Because we don't have any sponsors. I definitely don't have the money to be doing all that stuff. And all these kids could go play for anybody in the country and play for free. And I was like, you know what? I was like, when I tell you, you're going to be like, that's it? And they're like, what is it? What is the secret? What's the secret? And I was like, when we first started, like 2013, I was like, we had a parent meeting. And I told the parents, I was like, I'm here to mentor them, teach them basketball, but most importantly, to share Christ with them. Even whether they get saved or not, they're going to get to a point where they get older and they're like, man, Coach Brian told me that. I remember that. And I was like, just to be a godly example to them, everything else will take care of itself. And I told the parents, I was like, and I feel like God told me that if I continue to keep him first in all things, that he'll bless it. And uh, they were like, man. And... That it's, it sounds simple, and it is, because it's not like I have to do this. I'm not competing against multimillionaires to, who have facilities and things like that. I'm just putting it in God's hands and doing what God told me to do. And also, we, we're in a church, and we have a pastor who, if I was just at like a regular church, and we just kind of come in and go out, then I probably would let some of that stuff come to my head or make me feel like I'm doing something. But in this place where we know it's about sanctification of the heart and being closer to God, hearing God, and storing up our treasures in heaven and not on this earth. We know that a pat on the back here in the flesh is just doesn't really mean anything. That's fine, but our eyes are always focusing above, and that's definitely something I've gained from pastors. So, amen. Amen. If you turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. While you're doing that, I just wanted to read a couple of other verses. In John 3.16, says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And the word I just, in that is, is love. And for me, that was something I didn't have growing up. 
I met. The only time I seen my dad was to give me a whooping when I did something bad. I don't, I don't remember seeing my mom too much. I stayed with my granny, and she was the only person I could say loved me. And so when I think about those things, I just, it was just one of those things. It was like, man. How do I love? I have kids, and my my first two kids, I, I just I wasn't there. I was doing the same thing that my parents had did, and I was just doing whatever I wanted to do, and my kids was just there. But then I come here. I walk in the door. I'm getting hugs and handshakes and all different kind of stuff. It was like, man, how do I deal with that? Like, I don't, you know, I wasn't the type of person who just liked people. So it was like, okay, guys. <laughs> when do we when do we go sit down so I can, you know, you know. But um then I came again, you know, the next time and got the same thing. And then I came again and Got the same thing. And it was like, okay. They either pretty good at faking this or I don't know. Maybe they get together and 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 hey, you gotta go talk to this guy, you know. But the more I came, the more I realized that it was genuine. And if you and if you could reverse to all those messages that was just preached, love. Love, love, love was all throughout it. And for my pastor, you know, it was just one of those things that he showed me love. And he showed me how to love is, is, is more important. Because I didn't know how to do that. And so when you think about Mark 16, verse 15, says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That commandment is hard to do if you don't love people. It's almost impossible. And you'll see if you don't love people, you'll see that you'll just come to church. Pastors stand up here and challenge us to go out and share our faith. But we'll, we'll say yes in church. But then as soon as we get out of here, we'll go right to the house. And not think twice about it. But it's because of that love that we can go outside of these walls and say, hey, I don't know you, but Jesus loves you. Can I invite you to church? Or, hey, I see you got something on your ankle, a, a brace on your ankle. Can I pray for you? Hey, I see that your life is messed up right now. Can I pray for you? Can I tell you what Jesus did for me? If we don't love people, we're not going to get out of our comfort zone. If we don't love people, we're not going to step out of our way and go pray for someone. If we don't love people, we're not going to do what Jesus called us to do. And that's one thing I've seen from my pastor, my friend, is that even before 
I knew he was a pastor. I knew he was a good man. I played ball with him. I, I did all those things. And, and it was easy when the lady said, hey, I think you may know my pastor. And she described him to me. And I said, Blake? She said, yeah. I said, yeah, I play ball with him all the time. But if he wasn't that person that he was in here as he was out there, the place where I was in my life, there's no way I would have followed him in this place. But when you think about 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, it says, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. And I just think about that when I think about my pastor, when I think about how I should go, how I should conduct my life in a way of, 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 of living when I'm out there on the basketball court. Because I know it's a lot of times and it's a lot of people who push buttons when you're playing basketball. And, it's a, and, and you have to continuously be that good example. And it's like, man, I just want to slip one time. And, you, know, but you can't do that. Because I know that I haven't seen him do that when I played with him. And when people know that you go to church, when people know that you love Christ, that's the first thing they go after when you're playing ball, oh, you go to church and you calling that? It's like, what they got to do with anything? You know, but but then I think about um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And it says, um, though I speak with tongues of men of angels, but have not loved, I have become a brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith and I could remove mountains, but have not loved, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I have given my body to be burned, but have not loved, it profits me nothing. And I remember when my wife and I, we went through marriage counseling and Again, I still didn't know how to love. And that was one of the things he taught me is, hey, just like he was saying earlier, what are you going to do? What have you done? It's like, no, we're not talking about me. We're talking about her. She's out of control. And she really needs Jesus, you know, but and he just kept, hey, what are you going to do? It's like, man, I wish you say something else. But, you know, it was. It was exactly what I needed once I left. And it was like, okay, what do I have to do? And then I realized I had to change. I had to do things. I had to step out and love my son and give him the love that he deserved and give my other two kids the love that they deserve. You know, but the, and the, and the last thing, I, my favorite verse that I felt that I learned coming to this church is in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and that's where I want to end tonight because like I said it's my favorite verse and it's something I look forward to 
and something that I would have never learned if I didn't come here, I don't think, you know, and starting in verse 15, it says, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen. And the reason I spoke about love tonight is because my pastor showed me that I have to love people to be able to go out there and win souls. That I can't win souls if I don't love people. Because it's hard. Because people are going to tell you, get out of my face. People are going to call you names. People are going to mistreat you. And he did that. Amen. And all glory be to God. Amen. We have to love. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Jesus. You're so worthy, Father God. And we have such an awesome, awesome, loving God. Such a loving God. He, he called our pastor many years ago. If it wasn't for him answering that call, I don't believe any of us would be sitting in this place. So that's just a blessing. And being that, that father, that spiritual father and that role model. You know, maybe uh, in this place, uh, these messages just about genuine love. It's real. It's so real. I tell you what. That's a great example of a man right over there. And each of these men, as Christ molds us. Hallelujah. That being said, with every head bowed and every eye closed, reverence of the Lord, we're just going to just take a minute to focus on God right now and um, ask ourselves, Father, forgive us. There's, he's still a, a mighty God to set you free from any, any thoughts of depression that no one loves you. He, he, there's people all around in this place that love you. There's people that you probably aren't even focused on that are just trying to be an example to you. Be reminded that we're not, we're not perfect. None of us are in this place. In Isaiah 53, 5, he says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was bruised for our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. We're healed. He died for us. Like uh, it was mentioned in John 3.16, that God gave his self. He sent his only begotten son to die for us and to raise from the grave. Maybe tonight you, you might be coming and uh, checking in the motions or something. But just think about it. If you are here tonight and you don't know the Lord Jesus as, as your Lord and Savior and you've been checking in boxes, you've been coming and um, looking the part, but you know deep down inside that you need a relationship with God, you need a relationship with Christ. If that's you, 
with no eyes looking around, every head bowed. If that's you, slip up your hand real fast. Amen. Maybe, uh, God, you're, you've been coming and, and something's been on your heart and you just can't find the means to, to just press in and ask God to forgive you. Maybe you need to restore your relationship with him. Maybe you've backslidden this morning, looked at something you weren't supposed to, um, treated people with a fake love. Today's the day of salvation. It's not too late to come back to him. If that's you, just slip up your hand tonight. Hallelujah. Believe that everyone in this house, everyone in this place knows the Lord. If you could stand and just come up to the altar, please. We're going to just visit with God and let him just pour out his love upon us this morning, this t tonight. Because he's so mighty. And if there's anything that you're dealing with tonight, let's just press in. Let's just pray to him right now. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you, Father God, for all that you've done for us on Calvary, Father God, and for those examples, for our pastor, Father God, for, for that, that example that you just made him to be, Father. Lord, we ask that you just take any need, any, any, any situation, any um, um, weakness that we have, and we pray for your word, for, for your spirit to just fill us up, to give us a joy, to give us a peace, sound mind, and deliver us from anything that we know that we should just put down get closer to you father god father god you're so holy you're so worthy thank you for your mercy thank you for your healing lord we just come before you don't hold back tonight he's in he's here tonight he's touching somebody's life tonight there's gonna be miracles and testimonies hallelujah Jesus, you're so worthy. Jesus, you're so holy. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name.